Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. One Peter chapter four verses eight to ten. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless cheerfully. Be generous with the different things God gave you, passing them around so all get in on it. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. Thank you and good morning everyone. Um, We've just heard that passage from 1 Peter chapter 4 read out in four different translations. Uh, I don't know about you but I love how different things come through Uh, in each of them, individual uh, words or phrases that kind of come with a fresh clarity when you hear them in different uh, ways. Perhaps if you're watching uh, online, why not stick on the chat uh, what words or phrases particularly stuck out to you um, from those different translations, the different way that that passage has been presented to us here in the room. Maybe jot it down in your notes to think about later as you go back uh, and look over it again. We've just started a brand new series on hospitality. Um, This practice uh, that we've been given, that we're seeking to learn to live with more as a community this year. And as we saw last week, hospitality, opening ourselves and our lives to others, is a practice that flows from the very nature and character of God. That he is one who is always outward looking, always overflowing with goodness, abundant in generosity, always welcoming. And therefore, the theme of hospitality is one that is present right throughout the Bible. The whole story, Genesis to Revelation. Welcome is so fundamental to the nature of God. And therefore, hospitality is a practice that helps us to grow more into his likeness and to grow more in reliance on and enjoyment of the one who gave up everything in order to welcome us and draw us close. It's a discipline that teaches us to be open-hearted and open-handed 
with our lives. And in doing so, helps us take part in a reenactment of the divine love that we ourselves have received, sharing it with others. Jen Pollock writes that in a thousand different ways, hospitality allows us to enter into what God has been doing from the beginning of time, loving humanity by his welcome. And this passage that we just heard read out, that we've been mulling over together, elegantly draws together all the themes that Adrian unpacked last Sunday, particularly in the context of hospitality to one another. Hospitality in the context of a community of people, the church, who are seeking to live with Jesus at the center of their lives. And if you're here this morning and you wouldn't say that that's you, First of all, it's so good to have you here with us. And secondly, it's that this is, it's not that this isn't a message for you, but rather that as we unpack what it looks like to live in the community of faith, the invitation for you this morning is to consider, is that the kind of community that I would want to be part of? And this passage comes in the context of Peter writing about the kind of eternal perspective that characterizes the whole story of the Bible, that God is working out his plans and purposes to renew and restore a world that has been broken, that one day Jesus will usher in a new creation where every tear is wiped from every eye, where all sickness and mourning and death and pain are done away with and where joy and beauty and goodness and life fill the universe. The question that Peter's answering in this passage is, in light of that future, how therefore should we live now? And I wonder if we were to uh, time travel this morning back to January 2020, when uh, COVID-19 was perhaps a whisper uh, in a country far from here, how would your knowledge of what was to come, of the way that life would be dramatically reshaped almost overnight, how would that change how you lived? How would it change what your priorities were? Where you invested your your time, your money, your efforts? Aside probably from uh, buying as many shares in Zoom as you could possibly do, How would it affect your relationship with God, your relationship with others? What Peter says, in anticipation of an event vastly more dramatic even than our pandemic, vastly more universe-altering than anything that we've lived with in the last couple of years, what he says is this. Let's look at verse 8 together. Um, This is in the NLT, one of those translations we just heard. Most important of all, Continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Or as the others put it, keep fervent in your love. Love one another earnestly. Love as if your life depended on it. Already earlier in this passage, Peter's spoken about how an eternal perspective means we keep coming to God, this God of hospitality who reveals and embodies a way of living, that is open-hearted and open-handed. And his encouragement to his readers is to allow that perspective to shape how we relate to others by inviting us into the radical love for one another. Because I'll be honest, if you put me back 
now in January 2020, I don't know if my first instinct would be to react to what was coming with bold, open-hearted, open-handed generosity towards others. It would probably be to batten down the hatches, stock up on loo roll, retreat into myself, look out for number one. That's what the world's teaching us all the time, that in the crunch moments, when everything gets very real, you've got to look out for yourself because no one else will. But the message of the gospel, the work of God by his spirit in his church is to bind us together as one body such that when one suffers, all suffer. When one rejoices, all rejoice. And therefore, we are freed both to give hospitality generously and cheerfully, holding nothing back, and to receive hospitality from others without shame or begrudgingness. And that doesn't just go for those in the community that we get on really well with. In fact, Peter's encouragement is that in light of what Jesus has done and will do, we should take particular care to extend love to those believers who have perhaps offended us, that we don't get on so well with. That's what it means about love covering a multitude of sins. We're not talking here about serious wrongdoing, being swept under the carpet. Awfully, that's something that's happened all too often uh, in the church and outside the church. But rather, this is about recognizing that if we're in a church that in any way resembles the diversity of the community in which we're based, that in any way reflects the breadth of human personalities and preferences, social and economic and cultural backgrounds, there are gonna be all kinds of ways that we get stuff wrong in our interactions with one another. There are gonna be moments we need to ask for forgiveness, and moments we need to give it, especially in times of change and crisis. Where love is lacking, every word is viewed with suspicion, every action liable to misunderstanding, every difference a potential cause for conflict. But where the people of God, with their eyes fixed on a God of open-hearted, open-handed, hospitality, seek to give themselves in deep and fervent and earnest love for one another. Changes everything, both for how we relate to one another, but also for how we welcome others in. As Jesus puts it in his prayer in John 17, the way that those within the community of the church love one another is a deeply powerful witness to a watching world about the wonder of who Jesus is and the truth of what he came to do. But just in case that all starts to sound a little bit theoretical, Peter immediately takes it into the practical. Verse nine, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Be hospitable to one another without complaint, without grumbling, and griping, be hospitable. And for one, maybe that word, that encouragement to be hospitable, even the, the series title of hospitality, 
is a word that comes wrapped up with some memories for you. Maybe not all of which are good. Part of why we're doing this series and why we started where we did last week is to unpick some of the assumptions that I know I hold about what hospitality is and how we do it. For some of us, we'll hear the word hospitality and our minds shoot straight to a certain activity, a certain way of doing things. We immediately box that word in, maybe even to mean those words we just heard, just meals and places to stay and that's it. I think Peter wants us to see it's so much more than that. Maybe you're someone who has worked in the hospitality industry and it's worn you out. And the thought that God is calling you to a life of hospitality that for you sounds like work is not a welcome thought. Maybe your idea of hospitality is being invited round to an evening at someone's house, maybe a couple of times a year, and to be honest, it sounds a little bit like another thing in your diary that you could do without. Maybe home itself is a place where you've known disappointment or rejection or even abuse. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe home feels like the one place in your life that's a sanctuary in a tough world. And the idea of inviting others into that space fills you with dread. What does hospitality look like if you don't have a home? If you're a single person lodging with a family and you're not quite sure what's yours, or if you live with a big group of people, or if you have mobility challenges and you're worried you perhaps can't host people as well as you'd want, or you're at a stage of life where you're working lots of evenings and weekends, or where you're looking after a young child, or where you're caring for an elderly relative. Do any of those things, and a thousand others, disqualify us from hospitality? Or do we need to redefine what we mean by that word? Because see, if God truly is a God of hospitality, then Jesus, the perfect representation of the Father, filled with the Spirit, is the most hospitable person to ever have lived. A man who spent the three most prominent years of his life on the road with no fixed address, moving from town to town. If Jesus really is the model for how to live open-hearted and open-handed, then it cannot mean that any of those things, any of the things that came into our minds when we hear that word, cannot mean that we're disqualified. I wonder this morning, what if, in fact, it's the opposite? Here's Peter again in verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Stewards of the varied, multifaceted grace of God, as the other translations put it. What if the very things that we think disqualify us, those things that make us hear the word hospitality and think, no, that's that's not for us. What if they are actually expressions of God's multifaceted grace towards us? What if they are the very soil 
in which God is wanting to grow the gifting he has placed in each of us to strengthen and encourage and build our community. Hospitality isn't about fulfilling a list of criteria. You know, if I do this and this and this, then I've ticked off my hospitality responsibilities. Christian life isn't about creating cookie-cutter individuals. Maybe university degree, married by 25, 2.5 kids, stable job, nice semi-detached house in the suburbs, serve on a couple of rotors in church, and I'll maybe we'll add in some hospitality by inviting a couple of friends round for dinner every now and then. It's not that there's anything wrong with any of those things. In fact, most of them describe my life. <laughs> it's that if we make them the goal, we're working against the multifaceted grace of God, and we're working against the diverse community that he's wanting to build. The call for all of us is to lives surrendered like Jesus, to the laying down of our priorities and our preferences. It's to not minimize the depth of the call for all of us to give up everything that the world treasures for the sake of this Jesus who has given everything for us. Because when we do that, we begin to be able to celebrate the variety of different gifts among us in the way that Peter writes about. We begin to be able to embody hospitality in its deepest and fullest sense, seeing the gifts amongst our community, not as a cause for competition between us, but as something that causes us to rejoice in the breadth of the church and in our brothers and sisters, and for us to be encouraged to take hold of and press into the gifting that God has given us to bring hospitality to one another from our unique situation and context. The prism of God's gifts in your life will scatter colors and tones and textures that I never could. You'll think of ways to love and serve others that I never would because I'm not you and you're not me and isn't that Good news. It's God's grace that binds us together, that draws in all people, that breaks down all divisions, that fits all situations, that covers all wrongs. Grace means that whatever your story, the highs and the lows, the successes and triumphs and sufferings and heartbreaks, he meets you where you are and he's working in your situation. And his invitation is to let his grace shine through you in hospitality to others. Because fundamentally, hospitality is about providing a setting for love to be shared, for openness to be known, and for gifting to operate. And that could be opening your home for a meal or a place to stay. It might be a walk in the park or a drink at the pub or a coffee shop, or starting that conversation with someone new on a Sunday morning, or providing a shoulder to cry on to a friend in need. Hospitality, being open-hearted and open-handed, will look different for each of us, because that's the beauty of the church. That's the strength in our diversity. 
There's nothing else that would cause this group of people here in the room, you at home watching online, to be together except for Jesus. And I think the way that we step more into what God is calling us to do through this series is by stewarding well the gifts that we've been given. There are four particular ways I want to highlight that. Not as a list of things to do, but as an encouragement to think through how your gifting enables you to offer hospitality in your unique way. First of all, gifts are discovered in service. If you're not sure what your gifting is, it's in the doing that we learn about the unique way that we've been made, the unique part that we therefore get to play in the community of faith and the world at large. Be bold in taking that first step to try something new. You might just discover a gifting that God's had prepared for you all along. Secondly, exercise them regularly and thoughtfully. Good stewards are those who make effective use of what they've been given. Jesus tells a parable all about this where a servant is given responsibility for some money while his master is away, but buries it in the ground rather than investing it well. Gifts flourish by being used. How can you, how can I, build into the regular rhythms of our lives times to be intentional about how we're being open-hearted and open-handed towards others? How can we be thoughtful and attentive to the things that matter to those that we're serving? Dietary requirements, and children's bedtimes, transport options, environments they feel most comfortable in. Thirdly, don't privatize your gifts. The call to hospitality is a call to community, doing this together so that nobody is left overburdened or burnt out. This is something that we are all invited to take part in. Young and old, single and married, homeowner and renter. And because it's not all on a select few, it means we don't all have to be on hospitality mode all the time. There's space to rest and receive as well as serve. There's space to set boundaries that bring life by ensuring that we are looking after our mental and emotional health well. Because it's not all just on a couple of people. It's something we're embracing together as a community, sometimes as hosts, sometimes as guests. And finally, stewarding our gifts well doesn't mean that we say to God, thanks very much for this, I'll take it from here. It's continually recognizing that it's only because God's heart towards us is open that our hearts can be open in response and our hands can be open as an outworking of that. If you're afraid of hospitality, you think you don't have the resources or the charisma or the opportunities to do it well, great, great. Let that cause you to lean all the more on God's grace. Let it cause you to look all the more at the work of Jesus and not your own work. Not dwelling on comparison with others, that thief of joy, but asking him to help you. So where do we go 
from here. There are applications of this within our gathered settings as a church community, as we meet together on Sunday mornings, as we practice different rhythms on Sunday evenings, in our small groups during the week, the Oasis Cafe on a Wednesday morning. But none of those are the hospitality moment. What they're there to do is to act as catalysts for and opportunities to embrace a culture of hospitality to one another as we share in the life of the God of hospitality, developing a posture of open hearts and open hands that spills out beyond those gathered moments, gets worked out in the unique contexts and situations that each of us are in through and beyond our community. This is not an easy work. It's costly. It's costly to open our hearts and our hands to others. It's costly to share our homes and our food and our time and our energy and our weaknesses and our realities with others. But it's a high calling. It's an invitation to imitate the self-sacrificing hospitality that God has been pouring out upon his creation from the beginning of time that led Jesus to the cross. And that is at work in you today by the power of the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. That's the community we're seeking to be together. Just a moment's time, we're going to sing again. We're going to invite God to come and meet with us. We invite him to come and bring his kingdom amongst us, his way of living open-hearted, open-handed, generous. But before that, I wonder if I could just pray for us uh, as the band come back up again. Jesus, I thank you that hospitality is not another thing that we have to do. Hospitality is a posture of the heart that only and always flows from the wonder of who you are. That only and always comes from the open heart that you have shown towards us. Therefore, Lord, I pray that as we seek to embed this more and more in our lives, in our time together, as a community, these moments we gather together, and in the hundreds of unique contexts and cultures that each of us are living with, in the thousands of interactions that we have every week with different people, I pray, God, that you would go with us. I thank you that you have gone before us in these ways. And I pray, Jesus, that you would draw us ever closer to you keeping our eyes fixed on you and encouraged and empowered to live in response to that open-hearted, open-handed for the good of all. Amen.